Are you looking for an inspiring listen? Something to motivate you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Women of the Northwest, where we have conversations with ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. Motivating, inspiring, compelling. I'm Jan Johnson, your host. I'm the kind of person who can't sit still, always have to be doing something. I'm just an ordinary woman who has ideas pop into her head and thinks, what's to stop me from doing that? And my preference is to be doing something that affects the life of someone or the community as a whole. It's what brings meaning to my life. And hey, isn't it rewarding to see people smile? Ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. You know those women who everyone knows? The ones that balance a dozen things at once and you can depend on them to not drop the ball? Gals that are not afraid to have an idea and take the next step? Yep, that's the kind of gals I'm talking about. These are the women I'll have conversations with each week, telling their stories and sharing their passions, motivating, inspiring, compelling. Hello, Soraya, and welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. (laughs) You have had an interesting life. Let's uh, talk about some... Things have brought you to where you are right now. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so my journey up to this point has really started genuinely back when I was a kid. Um, so I grew up uh, in a military family. My dad was in the Marine Corps and I'm one of seven kids uh, for the first 13 years of my life, though there were only five of us. Um, and later on, my parents ended up having two more. So I grew up with a lot of with having a lot of siblings, there's chaos everywhere mm-hmm. all the time. Um, <laughs> Something I know about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as you're mentioning. Um, and then um, there were not only having five kids, but all five kids involved in sports. Uh, <laughs> made it a little bit even. <laughs> Going every direction. I had five kids in high school at one time. Uh, yep. and yes, that was yep, crazy. Yep. And no cell phones. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine that because we at least had cell phones to make things yes. easier. <laughs> um, but so I grew up in a very uh, chaotic environment. Um, and we moved quite a bit due to my dad being in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So we started out uh, on the East Coast for his military training and then um, ended up moving to Japan uh, for three years. And then once we got back from Japan to the States, uh, we lived in Michigan for seven years. Um, So we were there for quite a while. It was like a stable place. 100%. It was my whole (laughs) life up to that point. And um, prior to Michigan, we had been homeschooled. But once we got to Michigan, my mom... I said, I've had it. Um, I am done with homeschooling uh, and decided. I have the utmost respect for parents that think that they can homeschool. I could not do that. Uh, Yeah. Well, my mom did a good job for the first couple of years, but uh, having five kids of school age is a lot for any person to do Mm -hmm. on their own. So uh, she ended up putting us into the public schools in Michigan once we got there. And so we... um, Started doing school and then travel sports. I was in competitive gymnastics. Oh, um, my. Which is a huge, huge, huge commitment. And then all my other siblings were either in swimming or soccer. And um, at that point, ended up, uh, due to a couple extenuating circumstances, one of them being the time commitment of gymnastics. And uh, there were a couple injuries. And then just the expenses, Mm -hmm. super, super expensive sport. Um, Ended up switching over to soccer. Um, which was really the family sport and the sport that my dad really wanted all of us to oh, play. 
So you were kind of doing it vicariously. He was doing it vicariously through you. <laughs> a little bit. Um, it was definitely something that he was super passionate about. He was coaching and mm. involved in the referee community. And it was, there was no American football in our household. It was oh. only real football. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so ended up switching to competitive soccer and um, was very... I don't, I was very academically focused um, and was very centered on having good grades and being the best in the class. And I was a very um, high strung kid uh, in all senses of the word. And what, what pro, uh, propelled you to be a good student? Um, it was really just a focus on trying to be the best that I could be because for me, I think I thought if I was a good student that I wouldn't be in trouble and that I would be deemed good by my parents and mm-hmm. everything that I was trying to be was so that I was good in my parents' eyes so I wouldn't get in trouble and and it was it was an abusive environment so anything that I could do to be not to avoid that to avoid that was okay. absolutely so like for okay. me grades yeah. was one of those things and I used grades to perform and to try and uh, stay out of trouble mm-hmm. as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And so between school and soccer, I was busy every night of the week um, and all weekends. And You didn't have time to get in trouble. No, um, <laughs> which was great <laughs> uh, initially. Um, and then in my parents went through a separation when I was in, in be- the summer between sixth grade and seventh grade mm-hmm. um, when we were still in Michigan. So my mom and the kids, we moved out, um, and my dad stayed at the house we were at. We ended up switching schools uh, while we were still in Michigan, and then about halfway through, maybe a quarter of the way through my seventh grade year, my parents got back together, and we moved to Texas. So this was a huge shift change. for me, yeah. a huge change, mm-hmm. um, because up to this point, like, my cognitive memory was in, in Michigan, and that was where my life was, and um, kind of all that I had known Um, and so moving to Texas was a huge, huge deal for us. It was a huge culture shift, um, from not necessarily small town, Michigan, but it was not a large area. Um, and we were super involved in the community there, both, uh, sports wise, and then also pretty involved in the church community, whatever that looked like. Changed friends and had to. Everything. And it was. and everything. Yeah. Very much the environment in our house was we couldn't be upset about the move oh. um and so we just had to move on with our lives and be Get happy and and, <laughs> yep absolutely and so for me who i am a <clears throat> deeply emotional person um all of the things in my house uh were leading to like emotions are not a good thing and oh, okay. so it's very emotionally repressive and not allowing me to genuinely process what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and whether that was healthy or not. Uh, And it wasn't teaching me to really understand the impact huge shifts like that can have on somebody Mm -hmm. Um, and was immediately thrown into the Texas school system, which is different, very different um, and very high speed in comparison to some other states school systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went from generic math to taking pre-AP math courses and extremely behind the curve compared to my classmates. Um, And for me, it was an academic challenge and really pushed me to be better at the time. And it really drove me to have a huge focus and huge pressure on my academics to the point that 
it was detrimental. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on getting good grades that if I got anything below a 95, I would have a full on mental breakdown. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Could not handle it. Uh, There was, I have one. Because that kind of became your identity, didn't it? Absolutely. It was soccer, school, and then presenting this image of being a good kid, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Like I was by no means an angel, but I did my best to stay out of trouble because it was something I was so focused on. But uh, I can't stress enough that <laughs> it was just a facade. Uh, yeah. Um, but with the transition to the Texas school system, it was a huge, huge shift for me. And there was – they do things called weighted GPAs in okay. Texas. Yeah. And so you could be on a four-point scale with a 4.5 because of these weighted GPAs. Oh, and so for me, I was like, I have to get because that Because they're the advanced placement classes. 100%. And, so you mm-hmm. take the grade that you're getting as a normal class, and because you're in advanced class, they have a multiplier. I see. And so you can get greater than the scale allows. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I have to have the highest score possible. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, I was now playing – uh, travel soccer in Texas, which is significantly different to travel soccer in Michigan because of the amount of time you spend driving and yeah. just the level of play is significantly higher. And initially I struggled with the shift. Um, and I went through a period of time where I was ready to quit. Yeah. Uh, just because of how the coaches created an environment that was super um, negative and they didn't really like middle school age girls are mean. <laughs> they are not nice people. And I, the coaches just let that environment fester on yeah, the field instead of, yeah. instead of cracking down on it. And I was. Which is t- counterproductive, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> here we're supposed to be a team. And here we are having a team full of just, it, it was not good. And I was a small kid. Like when I talk about small, I was four, nine. And oh, really? Yeah. 100 pounds wet, maybe. <laughs> Um, and so I was, I was really small and it wasn't that I wasn't good at soccer. It's just when you're that small against girls who are right way bigger than you, it it is a challenge. And so I wasn't really getting the playtime I was used to. Mm -hmm. I was used to having coaches belittle me and put me down. And so I was just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I want to hang up. Because it wasn't motivating to be abused at play and at home. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't need this in my life. At the time I had already started refereeing. And so I was like, look, I'll just do the referee thing. I'll make money. Mm-hmm. This will free up my weekdays. Yeah. Um, and I was ready to quit playing. And my dad's boss at the time had a daughter who was my age. And she was playing on a lower level team that I had not played at that level before. Um, and they were just like, well, we don't even have 11 people. <laughs> and just come play with us for the tournament. So I went and played with them for this tournament. And it really took away so much of the pressure that I was used to with soccer. Like you have to be great and you, there's one mistake and you're taken off the field and the coach had zero tolerance for bullying. And it was just like, we're all here to learn and get better. It was an entirely different world. The way it was supposed to be. Yes. And so it really allowed me to have a passion for the game of soccer again. Mm -hmm. And so I went from hating it and everyone who was involved in it to being like, okay, this is something I can do again. And at the same time, I was playing um, at this varsity soccer team at my freshman year of high school Yeah, at a magnet program um, that was focused on engineering and technologies. And so that academic environment that I was just really stuck in of like performance yeah. and 
this was setting me up to graduate high school with an associate's degree in right. STEM. And I was doing robotics and physics and all of these things. And I was doing like I had a good grade point average, everything. Yeah. I was doing really well, but it was just not something I actually cared about. You didn't feel passionate about no, it. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Which was a huge blessing in hindsight of like not feeling passionate about that particular subject because mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to college to figure that out. Right. Right. But at the time I was just like, man, I hate this. Um and But you kept getting good grades. <laughs> yeah, but I kept getting good grades and I kept performing and now I had a new reignited love for a sport that was to me the only way I could have a relationship with my dad because uh-huh. up to that point it was very polarizing and it was really the only thing we could connect on. And so things were yeah. to me like very things were looking up, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And then my sophomore year I switched to a very high level travel team. I switched to a different school because I didn't want to be engineering focused anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of the friends that I had made my freshman year of high school were gone. I felt like I didn't really have a ton of friends that year. Yeah. And, but I had also applied to be an international exchange student with Rotary. Um, and I got accepted to that program and I was going to go to Denmark for my junior year of high school. Which sounded good in theory. It was, I was so excited. It was going to be, I was like, everyone talks about this being the best year of their life and how they always want to just go back to that year. And yeah. I was, and my dad had done it as a kid. He went to Brazil yeah. and I was just like, man, this is going to be so, so, so good. And then the spring of my sophomore year, um, at a showcase tournament for soccer, I tore my ACL. And mm. so I was like, man, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> all these dreams I had of playing D1 college soccer and all of these, like, everything that I thought was lining up mm-hmm. perfect started. I was like, okay, well, this is just one facet. I saw my grades. I'm going to go do this exchange year. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Um, And then I went to Denmark and it was the worst year of my life. <laughs> like I. <laughs> it didn't turn out to be what no, you thought it was going to be. Absolutely not. Um, I struggled with. Several of the host families that I was placed with, um, whether they wanted me to be their kid who was on exchange and anything that I did different from that kid was not okay in any capacity. Um, Or one family was really amazing, but they lived about 45 minutes away from the city that I was in. And so it was just like too far to really build any relationships. And then the third family that I was officially scheduled to stay with was just, well, they were hosting an exchange student for political gain. Oh. Um, and so that relationship was already kind of not great. Scented. And then their kids, both of which are Olympic athletes, um, <laughs> were had guests or had rooms in their house, but because they wanted to have those rooms available for their kids anytime that they wanted to come over, I was sleeping in the laundry room uh, on a couch that had to be put away every day and it had to look like I didn't live there. Yeah. And then I actually was coming home one night from an event and I was sexually assaulted on the way home. And one of their strict rules was that I had to be home by 10 o'clock. And I was passed out in a back alley because I had just been assaulted. And so I missed curfew. (laughs) Um, But they kicked me out the next day. Not my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was sitting here like I had this awful, awful thing happened. And And no support. No support. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't want to tell, I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't know how to communicate anything. And because I didn't have this 
support network. Yeah. Uh, because the club that was hosting me was not doing a lot of what they were supposed to be doing. And the relationships that I had with my host families were just super not great. Yeah. With the exception of the one family who lived 45 minutes away, but they still live 45 minutes away. Right. Um, and so in all of this, um, one thing about Denmark is they don't have a drinking age. They just have an age where you can buy alcohol and that age is 16. And I was 16. And you were 16. And so. they have a huge yeah, party yeah. culture, which is healthy or not healthy. <laughs> it was available. Um, and it was so it's something I fell into quite deeply. Mm-hmm. And I was drinking pretty heavily while I was there. My grades were in the garbage can. Plummeted. Like, yeah. And I just was – I was in a really not healthy mental place. Mm-hmm. And so I – I decided to end up sticking it out mostly because if I said I wanted to go home, I would have to say why. And right. I didn't want to expose that. expose that to anyone. And so I stuck it out, um, stayed for the rest of the year. And then when I got home, I was told we're moving to Japan. Um, and what I was <laughs> expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I was expecting to kind of come back, uh, do two, year, two more years of high school because – of the Danish school system and the way that the Texas school system works, that year wasn't going to translate at all for me. Yeah. Which is why I wasn't really worried about grades while I was there. Yeah. Um, but so in response to like, we're going to move to Japan, I was like, well, first of all, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had friends in Texas. I was, I had this idea of what I was expecting the last few years of my high school experience to look like. Right. And so... I was upset about that already. I was already in deep emotional turmoil of like how to cope with this. I had just been living out on my own essentially for a year. And now I'm coming back to live under my parents' house with my parents' rules in an environment that's super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And a bunch of siblings who I barely had a relationship with at the time. I was not a good sibling uh, (laughs) because I was just so angry with the world. Um, And at this point, I had also kind of recognized the way that my parents was treating us was very unhealthy and abusive. Yeah. It was not a good environment to come back to. And then so with this move to Japan, my parents were like, we're going to take a cross-country road trip. Um, to kind of say bye to people before mm-hmm. we leave the country for a couple of years. And so what that meant for us was piling into an RV <laughs> with me and six of my least <laughs> favorite people uh, on the planet at the time. <laughs> and my at this point, my parents have had two mm-hmm. more kids. So we've got, of those six people, one of them is less than a year old. <laughs> and one is three. <laughs> and then I've got my two younger siblings who are both in the angsty preteen teenage years and you've got me who just hates everything um and my mom who doesn't know how to cope with any of it because i don't know who would (laughs) um my dad chose to stay back in texas because of work and my older sister and older brother at that point were 18 and moving out of the house and happy to live their life the way they wanted to and so i was the oldest child essentially in that environment and was looked at as like you're supposed to know what's going on and and you should be helping with the younger siblings 100 percent. and i was we're in online school so that we can maintain like at least going to school in the time we're on the road so this is 
my senior year Age. now right. of like where you had dreams of what your senior year should have looked like right and all of like whether that's playing soccer or not playing soccer whether that's homecoming or yeah. winter formals or all of these things with people that I had known like forget about it because yeah. you're in an RV with your family um when in <laughs> and my mind do all those things online right absolutely <laughs> and in my mind we're moving to Japan right um and so we made some stops through different areas we used to live. So we took a trip up to Michigan and then we took through the Dakotas and everything. And um, my mom's mom, my grandma, Jeannie, mm-hmm. she met us when we were driving through Idaho. So she flew out from Oregon to mm-hmm. Idaho and stayed with us. And that actually had a huge impact on my family's trajectory because of her health. We ended up choosing to stay in the States okay. to stay with her so that she – we had the last few years of her yeah, life yeah. with her rather than living across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up moving to Sweet Home Oregon, <laughs> uh, which was another culture A shock nice, for me. A nice, quaint little yeah. town. You know, 6,000 people and uh, has all the charm of a small town and that everyone's been going to school with each other since they were in kindergarten. And if you don't... And who are you? Yeah. Because you don't really fit her. Uh, well, well, my mom grew up there, so, like, I knew a lot of the adults. Right. But I didn't know any of the kids. And mm-hmm. so it was this really weird dynamic of, like, all of the adults knew who I was and they would talk to me and all these things, but none of the kids who were going to, I, who were in my grade knew who I was. And so you finished your senior year there? I finished my senior school. year. Yep. I started uh, just after many Thanksgiving. Kids? Graduating class of less than a hundred. Yeah. Coming yeah. from a school in Texas where my graduating class was a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit of a difference. A little bit. Um. So <laughs> it was just a very different, very different dynamic uh, to me. And I had missed the soccer season, which to me at that point, I was kind of had given up on the soccer side of things just mm-hmm. because of the ACL tear and then the moving and all sorts of things, but was very much uh, trying to just kind of shift my focus to how do I get out? Mm-hmm. Because at this point, my grades still haven't necessarily transferred from Denmark. So I'm still thinking I've got a little bit of time <laughs> to okay. salvage yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, Oregon does accept to, to credits from Denmark in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah okay so, oh, so my glorious gpa came. yeah my glorious gpa that i had t- taken so much pride in uh plummeted and ideas for scholarships out the window yeah so no sports scholarships no academic scholarships no um and so my options of how to get out of sweet home were very limited um and i was still in a very angry place and which at that point probably puts you deeper into an angry place yes because Um, you're boxed in yep and at that point my dad had moved to Oregon with us and was working remotely for this company and um was just it was a very unhealthy environment and we thought that there would be a lot it would be a lot better than it had been just because we Mm -hmm. had my parents both had support systems and they knew people in the area Mm -hmm. and like they both grew up in Oregon. So yeah, a lot of these things, but it just was not, it was not healthy. And I by no means helped the situation. (laughs) Uh, um, But it was just a very negative, abusive Mm -hmm. cycle. Yeah. So I ended up hearing from uh, my dad's friend who was in the Air National Guard. And I, one thing that had come from my dad being in the Marines was I had a very deep-seated, like, dislike for the military because 
it had moved us around so much. And right. my dad was gone a lot. And I attributed him being in the military to a lot of yeah, the family problems. Behaviors and, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so I was just kind of like very anti me going into the military at this point. Not yeah. necessarily anti-military, but it was just not where I saw my life it going. It wasn't on your radar. No. Um, and he was just like, hey, just so you know, like the Air National Guard will pay for all your school. And I, me coming from a place of I've got no academic scholarships, I've got no sports scholarships, and I just want to get out. Out. Um, I was like, sign me up. But I was 17. <laughs> so I couldn't sign myself up. Uh, so my parents ended up signing the dotted line for me. And then I graduated in June and I went off to basic training in August, which one thing to know about the Air National Guard is typically it takes six to 12 months for you to go from signing the dotted line to going to basic just because mm-hmm. of getting school dates. Um, okay. But I signed up in May and had school dates within a month and a half. Oh, really? It was very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to basic when I was still 17. What was my birthday like in August. You? I was almost, I was the second youngest in my flight. Um, <laughs> but... I did not act like that. I definitely had a bit of a chip on my shoulder (laughs) Um, and was still, despite my life crumbling around me, was still like, I'm better. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a very humbling experience because there, everyone's equal. Like there's, doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're all going through basic training together. You all know nothing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to make sure that. You know you know nothing. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Clean and, the slate. <laughs> yeah. And it was back to the basics of cleaning bathrooms and scrubbing chrome and <laughs> folding t-shirts and things like that that just are – yeah. So it took me all the way back to square one and things that I had as part of my identity up to this point that we talked about of like right. sports, that was gone because of my ACL tear there and academics, which were gone. And then I had been <laughs> – cannot stress enough. I was a terrible sibling. I was a terrible kid. I was so mean to everybody around me. I was just so angry about a lot that a lot of that had been kind of stripped away and crumbled as to, so I had no idea who I was at this point. Like I was just so When you entered, how many other gals were in there with you? There were about 40 40 of us, I think. Oh, okay. So it was a decent amount, but you put 40 girls in a room together and tell them (laughs) they have to see each other every day for (laughs) two months. Good luck. It was like um, being on the middle school soccer team. Yes, absolutely. It was all the way back to, and I was anything that, I mean, I was counting the meals until I could leave. Um, and so one thing that you Those get delicious to, meals? Oh, yeah. You know, the ones you have 10 minutes to eat and from the time you enter the chow hall doors till walking out of the chow hall doors. Yeah, those were great. Um, and so after getting back from training, I was spending some more time with my godparents mostly because my relationship with my parents at that point was almost no contact yeah i was really struggling with a lot of coming to terms with how i grew up and the abuse and really recognizing it for what it was which was abuse right um and just really trying to wrestle with the forgiveness and even just coming to terms with a lot of it and so Mm -hmm. to do that i i really just needed distance and so i took a lot of that but i was um, hanging out with my godparents a lot. And so this really led to them recommending that I go on a mission trip with Campus Crusade, which is a college Christian ministry. And I ended up in South Lake Tahoe. It just really was getting to know people and yeah. experiencing the joy of 
the environment we were in. We were breaking in a zipline and ropes course on the top <laughs> of a mountain in South Lake Tahoe. Oh, too bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> woe is me. Um, they see the beauty of what's around them. Yeah. And they really appreciate it and they search for ways to find that beauty in everything. Yeah. And so it was such a different way for me of looking at life than I had seen up to that point. My life up to that point had been a very negative, dark cloud. Mm-hmm. Find the gray cloud, even though there's a, in spite of the silver lining. Right. Whereas this was finding that silver lining in yeah, everything. in everything. And I was in the military still. So mm-hmm. in the military, uh, super familiar, but it is, I mean, you're talking about war all the time and death yeah. and like the military super bad with sexual assault and suicide yeah. and like all of these things is not a super positive environment all the time, but being able to recognize that for the potential that it is and mm-hmm. in the darkest environments, lights can shine the brightest. Yeah. And so just yeah. finding a way to be a light and seeing all these people so in awe of everything that was around them all the time. Yeah. Um, it was really refreshing. And so coming back from that, I was super stoked to just go out and be like that light and finding the awe and everything. And I went on a deployment to the Middle East and it was just going from a spiritual greenhouse to a literal desert. desert. I really, really struggled. And that was for me kind of a turning point. And and I ended up moving out here to the coast and seaside and was working at Camp Raylia and I was going to work and I was going home and there was nothing else I was doing. And on the weekends, I would go back to Sweet Home because I was losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would go to my godparents' house in Beaverton. And I was just, there was one day that I was like, I know that God at this point had put me in the military for a reason, mm-hmm. but I couldn't figure out why. And I was so miserable. I was, I hated it out here. I was just like, it was raining all the time. I just could not, could not yeah. get over it. And I was, um, at the time, I was on a temporary status at the unit. So it was like, as soon as that temporary status is up, I could go do whatever I wanted. Um, yeah. And I was kind of at a crossroads with my military career in general, like whether or not I wanted to stay in or get out. Yeah. And I was like, God, I know you have a plan, but I have no idea what it is. And I, this is not sustainable for me. Can't believe I have to go to church again. And I walk in the door, and within three minutes, Bella, who is yeah. amazing, I love her to death, was walking up to me and like, we have to go get coffee together. I don't recognize you, so you must be new here. Yeah. Um, and so the next day, I didn't have work, and we went and got coffee at the Starbucks in Seaside, and uh, that was kind of the beginning of the end, I guess you could say. Yeah. And the, the Day after that, Tuesday, was when the young adults were meeting, and I started going to the young adults, and I found this amazing community of kind of way, but, like, yeah. we're going on hikes, and we're going surfing, and yeah. just genuinely living life. You still be young adults that are going to have fun with life. and Yes, but in a in a positive environment. Right. Um, And not in a way that I have to worry about, like, oh, they're all getting drunk, and or doing drugs, or whatever. Right. right. It's just people who are pursuing relationships alongside each other yeah and having that support walking together 100 percent. and yeah. for me it was so mind-blowing and so to see this community that was just like doing life together and, and so it was really really amazing and the other thing that it really provided for me was work-life balance because mm-hmm. after work i had other things that were non-work related that i was doing right. that allowed me to not put my whole identity into what my mm-hmm. job was, mm-hmm. which for me was a struggle 
in the past of like identifying with what I was good at. And yeah. my job is something that I love and I'm, and I'm good at. It's something that I very strongly believe God has put me in for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually led me to going through this pretty stringent course of essentially getting a PhD in my career field hmm. uh, that is six months of 20 hour days and a very stringent. Yeah. very, very <laughs> It's a lot. And yeah. it had, it, has a very low pass rate, a uh, 50% pass rate. So it's it's not an easy course by any means. And just because you get accepted, which is hard enough on its own, uh-huh. will mean you pass. And so... So you became the person you were in high school originally with getting good grades and I can yep, do this. Yep, I'm absolutely. I'm going to take that challenge on and go do it. But it was such a different mindset because for me, it wasn't doing it for the grades anymore. Right. It was doing it because this is the door that God has opened for me to walk through. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it. I just don't know what it is yet, but mm-hmm. I am not going to identify in the success because the success isn't mine. Right. Because I don't, I genuinely, without having God in my life for that course, I would not have made it. Like <laughs> four hours of sleep for six months is not sustainable. Uh, <laughs> and so I ended up graduating that course in December mm-hmm. and moving back out to the coast to a full-time position, no longer temporary, and really just falling into that military mindset that, like I mentioned, can be very glass half empty, gray skies all the time type of mentality mm-hmm. um, because we're around a lot of pretty severe concepts right. quite a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of travel. It can be very lonely if you aren't intentional about your people and who you're yeah. surrounding yourself with. And this community out here has really just provided a amazing outlet and resource around me to have other people who I know care about me. Yeah. And yeah. a way to still be super active and go surfing or yeah. skiing or have movie nights or dinner yeah. and just really Game be around each other. Yeah. yeah just um, enjoy. Outside of work. Yeah. And it forces me to leave work at <laughs> a reasonable time. I have a reason to go. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it just is a very. What would so, you tell your younger self? Be more patient with yourself. I think I was just so, I was really impatient with people around me, but I was so impatient with myself mm-hmm. and I did not give myself any grace, um, which caused me to give have no grace for other people either. Right. It's okay to not be good at things and it's okay to not just be okay. Yeah. And so I, I really just struggled with not being this like perfect kid or perfect person mm-hmm. um, to the deficit of me and those around me. Um, really, yeah. it was very, I was very judgmental of myself and other people. And I was very vocal about that judgment. <laughs> um, and through, through this last couple of years has really just broken down a lot of that judgment and shown me that compassion gets you 10,000 miles further than judgment <laughs> ever will. And right. whether that's compassion for yourself or others. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because what is to gain from being judgmental? No, nothing. Enemies. <laughs> you know, really. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't take you anything. No. Yeah. Um, let me ask you just a couple of things about um, being in the service. Is that what would you recommend for girls that want to join the service? Is there, do you think the branch you're in now is great or do you have a, a picture of the other ones or? Um, I would say um, that the of? Air Force is definitely the better branch for women. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of many of the branches. One, there's just more women already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of women in leadership in the Air Force. Oh. Um, which helps to have 
a better voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that the people around you are much more, I don't want to say progressive. Progressive isn't necessarily the right word, but like, for example, the Marines still have a much higher male to female ratio and it's a boy's mentality of like good old boys Mm -hmm. and we are the Marines. Whereas like the Air Force is much more run like a business, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. And absolutely like for females the air force is miles better than any of the other alternatives mm-hmm. um and i think the biggest thing is just give yourself time to grow as you are go into the military but just find something that is who you are something that allows you to not lose your entire identity to the military because it's very easy to be de- like to for it to happen that way is as you see other people just go into the military and it becomes everything that they are. Yeah. Everything's military. It's all they talk about. All of their friends are military, which is hard on active duty. Like mm-hmm. to be very clear, it is not an easy thing to do on active duty to have a life outside of the military. Right. But I'd highly encourage anyone who goes into the military to find something that is outside of the military and stay involved in because yeah. it gives you they have a balance, a life balance. Yeah. And it just gives you a way different perspective on things. When you're around military people all the time, like you end up in a military mindset Mm -hmm. and that can be a very negative mindset to be in Um, just because all it is is talking about like war and stuff all the time. And it's just, that's not healthy. Um, And so having. Okay. Well, Soraya, thank you. This has been really enlightening and thanks for um, being vulnerable enough to share your story. Absolutely. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this or any other of my podcast episodes, it would be amazing if you would take a few minutes to leave a review so others can find it. Transcripts are available on my website at jan-johnson.com. Please join me again next week 